0: you help me say this tonight. Pastor Hilton, preach to me. Can you say that? Pastor Hilton, preach to me. Well, praise the Lord everybody. The Lord. Amen. It's good to be back at the home church as always and uh, count it an honor to be uh, able to fill this pulpit while the bishop's gone and I don't take that honor lightly his mighty big shoes to fill, and uh, that he has extended his confidence to me while he's gone. I do give honor to him tonight. Amen. He's, he is uh, he's my pastor, and uh, he's the one that God placed in my life so that I could make it to heaven, and he's the one that God placed in your life so you can make it to heaven. Amen. And I can tell you, I, I think if you don't agree with me tonight and what I'm about to say, um, you're probably in the wrong church. But I believe we got the best Bible teacher, the best teacher, the best preacher in Pentecost. But not only can he teach it, he lives it, and he loves people, amen, and uh, I want to be just like him, amen, praise God, amen, God's been good to us and giving us a man of God. You can be seated for a minute, and uh, I got about three different directions in my mind, and my brother called me today, and he said... Uh, I was wondering why he was calling me. I had no idea why he was calling me. And uh, he said, hey, we're still, you're still coming up tonight, right? What he didn't know is this, I'm going to preface it with this. This week has been absolutely crazy for us. And uh, I think I touched nearly 90 hours of work this week. And then we started tearing stuff down in the church. I didn't need to say all that. But all I'm saying is I'm tired. And I wasn't thinking about this week being the week I was supposed to be here. And we just sat down in the car, and my, my kids said, Dad, are we going to Olathe tonight? I said, I don't think so. I need to get some things done around the house. <clears throat> and my brother <laughs> texted me. He said, can I call you real quick? Literally, I don't think five minutes went by after they asked me that question. And uh, I said, yeah, call me. He said, "Hey, you're still coming tonight, right?" I said, "Yeah." And uh, God had been working on me, on on what to preach tonight. And then I prayed this afternoon, and uh, I just want the Holy Ghost to have His way. Um, I did hear that Pharaoh showed up at church this morning. He wouldn't let God's people go. I plan to be not favorable tonight. Um, I'm sure what you had taught this morning or preached this morning was was very good and I wish I had heard it. I haven't. And uh, I'm just I'm just thankful to be in the church in this day and this hour. Something that is was it said here tonight? I don't know, but some I think brother Nelson said it a while ago. This world's changing, brother hall. It's changing. I almost say by the day, but I I, I dare say it's almost changing by the minute it seems like. Yeah. And the the fact that Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Is something that we could should we should take consolation in. I said, we should take consolation in I, I saw I saw a little uh, reel of, of, of C.T. Townsend. He was preaching this past week. And he, he went through a whole litany of, of things that he was saying. And, and uh, I, I didn't share it. I should have. But he, he was just talking about how that, you know, if God did it back then. And he's doing it Today. You'll help me do it over there when I get there. And I'm not just stalling for time. I, I'm I'm trying to lay a, a little foundation. Then we'll, we may open the Word of God and and talk. But just some things that God's been speaking into my spirit all afternoon. And and I, I want I want to make sure that I deliver what God once said, and not just some some bunch of words that I put together. I'm moving slow. I know. You know why? It's hot in here. <laughs> Brother Glenn, it's hot in here. and uh, But Brother Hall, there's old Brush Harbors. They didn't have ACs. They didn't have the fans going. All they had was the wind of the Holy Ghost blowing. We need the Holy Ghost to blow tonight. And I I have two objectives tonight, and I'll get to those, and I'll explain what they are here in just a little while. How we get there is, I don't know, but we'll figure it out. But before we leave this place tonight, I feel like God showed me somebody in the church that God wants to work on and minister to tonight. And I feel like God showed me and gave me a word for the church tonight. Amen. Praise God. Can we lift our hands to heaven and ask the Lord to speak with us? Step into this place tonight, Jesus. Lord, we need the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Oh, come on, let's lift our voices to the Lord, church. Are you really hungry to hear what God has to say tonight? Can you lift your voice to the Lord? Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I long for your help today, Jesus. You are gracious and mighty today. Magnificent and holy Savior. I lift your name upon high today, Jesus. I exalt you tonight, God. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be praised. Thank you for your goodness, Jesus. Thank you for your goodness, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Before I... I, I go to my text, Luke chapter four, verse eight, brother Josh. Philippians chapter three, as well, verse thirteen through fourteen. Luke chapter four, verse eight, and then Philippians three, thirteen to fourteen. Something that dawned on me today, and I'm not saying I'm we're, we're battling this right now in this service, but I, something that's that's come about that I, I've noticed is. The enemy's very nervous right now, and the only thing that I, I am seeing consistently <coughs> in his tactics is he's trying to distract us with everything that he possibly can. Out of nowhere, Brother Nelson, this week, I don't know why I got so busy. I didn't see it coming. And God stepped in on Wednesday night, he helped me. God stepped in this morning and he helped me. Thank God I had Brother Short there with us. And he tapped in and we had that, We did have a guest. She's a backslider, hadn't been in church in over a year. And she came in this morning and God touched her and she had tears flowing down her face. And, and we've been asking God to send us children and she's got six kids. And uh, I'm excited about, about that situation. Amen. So I'm looking forward to seeing her and her family again. and uh, But I'll tell you, what, I, what I've seen over the last couple of months is while we're having church, Brother Hilton, is we'll be going through the service. Most of the time this is happening to me while we're preaching, while I'm preaching, teaching, whatever the case may be. And all of a sudden, I'll be preaching, Brother Hall, and a flood of thoughts just begin to f- flow through my mind. And I start thinking, brother self, man, guess what? I got the answer to one of my problems this week on one of my projects while I was preaching last Sunday. But it was a distraction of the enemy. I felt like that God had given me clear direction and I was trying to hone in and I was trying to lock down in, and, and get to an altar call and have somebody respond and all of a sudden the whole bunch of thoughts came through my mind and and I, I, I realized what was going on. And, I, and I, in my mind, I began to rebuke it in Jesus' name. And I said, I'm not going to give you the time of day, devil. And I, and I pressed through it for myself. But something happened in the congregation. Thankfully, they responded. They, they prayed afterwards. But I'm noticing it. And it happened again this morning to Brother Short. And the people noticed it today. And we talked about it. And I'm not trying to be retarded or, or, or um, off in left field somewhere. But I, I just want you to know, we, we need to know the tactics of the enemy. You know why? So when we see it coming, we can walk away from it. Look, the elders have said, I don't know how many times I've heard the elders just say, look, if it's a distraction, I'm going to ignore the thing." Because all it's trying to do is get my attention off of what God wants to do and on the things that don't really matter to eternity. And if somehow, some way, Brother Nelson, we can stay focused on eternal things, I thank God for a job. But let me tell you something that's not going to save my soul. I thank God. For my friends and my family. But they're not going to save my soul, my friend. And I'm touching on a little bit of what I want to deal with in a little bit. But I, I just want you to understand. I don't care how much your friends or your family put the pressure on you. It doesn't matter how much pressure they push back on you and say, hey, this is not right. This is wrong. My friend, that's a distraction from hell. So, well, they're good people, they're my family. I didn't mean to get here so quickly, but here I am. But I want you to understand something you've got to know what's right, and you've got to stand for what's right. It's time for war, and when somebody comes and they begin to work on my heart and my mind. about holiness and how I should or shouldn't look and how that I I don't know I'm just telling you I have no idea why I feel what I feel tonight but this is where I'm at right now and I just want us to understand we have to understand God is not the author of confusion and if there's confusion in your mind about what your pastor's preaching I can promise you that God's not putting it there the devil's got in the way somehow, and he started He started getting you to start questioning, well, is it really that way? And then when you start questioning it, then the next thing you get is he's going to send somebody to confirm the thoughts that you had coming in your mind. Brother Carter, I don't think what your pastor said the other night really matters. They may not say it quite that direct, but they're going to say, hey, why are you, why do you, man, Why did you tie your tie like that? Why don't why don't you have the little side out instead of the big side? They'll start nitpicking how you're living. What you say. They'll even wonder. Brother Tuffy tells me all the time, he said, Pastor, put the kid filter on. Take the adult filter off. What he means is just say what God put in your mind. And I'll say it. I just want to make sure I say it the right way so it don't come across abrupt and nasty. But let me tell you something. From the beginning of time, God wants to cover his people. He had a desire to make sure that they were covered. Before sin entered into the world, what covered the naked people? The glory of God. Pureness. Can I I stretch it to this? This holiness covered them. I'm I'm not off base. The God we serve is what? And I teach my church that 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 is the most descriptive term for God. God is holy. And so therefore God's holiness covered Adam and Eve in the garden. But when sin came into their life, they saw themselves in a different way. Now, (laughs) how many of you guys have ever heard the term paradigm? How many of you know what paradigm means? Well, for those of us that didn't, I had to look it up, all right? A paradigm is a standard, a perspective or a set of ideas. It is a way of looking at something, often a model or pattern that forms the basis for understanding or interpreting a subject. Paradigms provide frameworks that guide thinking and behavior within a particular field or a discipline. They can include underlying assumptions, values, and methodologies that are accepted By a community or a culture. I submit to you that in the kingdom of God, and I'm gonna have to qualify because not necessarily in the kingdom of God, but affecting the kingdom of God are two paradigms there's flesh and there's spirit. When you're born, you operate in the fleshly paradigm. When you are born again, you operate in the spiritual paradigm. And as you begin to grow in the Lord, you begin to see different things grow through the spiritual paradigm. And you begin to remove yourself from the fleshly. Paradigm or way of thinking. Can I put it that way? Do you know what they call this phenomena? Simple. It's a paradigm shift. And let me tell you something. When you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the paradigm of your life begins to shift to the spiritual. But when you stop praying and when you stop reading the Word of God and when you stop desiring to be in the house of the Lord and when you stop desiring to fellowship with holy, godly people and all you want to do is hang around those that are not holy and godly, your paradigm has begun to shift in the opposite direction. So in one form or fashion we're consistently honing in on whichever paradigm that we have chosen to abide by. I began to think about and I and as I began to study about paradigms and and how they have affected different areas of of mankind throughout the ages. I'm not going to bore you with all my study, but I want you to understand as I was studying this uh, a a story came up and it's not a real story, but it kind of proves the point of a paradigm shift. How you look at something affects how you react. How you see things determines how you go about your everyday life. And I began to read, and, I, and I'll just go through this. It's not bedtime stories now, but I don't know what just happened. There we go. But let me read this to you, and I, I hope maybe this will click in your mind exactly what I'm talking about. But two battleships assigned to the training squadron had been at sea on maneuvers and heavy weather for several days. The, the lead battleship was sailing as night fell and visibility was poor with patchy fog. So the captain remained on the bridge to keep an eye on all of the activities. Shortly after dark, the lookout on the wing of the bridge reported light bearing on the starboard bow. The captain replied, is it steady or moving astern? The lookout responded, steady, captain, which means they were on a dangerous collision course with a ship. The captain then called in the signalman, signalman, signal that flag, that ship, we are on a collision course, advise you change course 20 degrees. A response came back, advisable for you to change course 20 degrees. The captain then said, send, I am a captain, change course 20 degrees. The response came, I'm a seaman, second class. You had better change course, 20 degrees. The captain responded furiously, send. I'm a battleship, change course, 20 degrees. Back came the response, I'm a lighthouse. The captain changed course, 20 degrees. It doesn't matter how long you've been in church. It doesn't matter what you think your status in church may be. I don't care what area of church you may find yourself in or your relationship with God. I don't care how much experience you might have. When God sends a signal and asks you to go a different direction, honey, you better you better steer 20 degrees or whatever the, 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 the direction is that came from heaven. How in the world am I going to hear that voice? (laughs) You already know where this is going. He's in Arkansas right now. When he sounds the alarm, honey, you better be listening. Honey, you better be ready to turn the wheel and begin to make of course, correction, Amen. Because he can see and he may know some things that God has shown him about your life that you may think I've got it all together, but I'm 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 I've got it all together. Who is he to think he can tell me what to do? He's watching. I got to be careful, but here I am, anyhow. I want you to understand something. There was a time in my life, my brother, probably my dad will remember, where I got this great idea of going out and doing stuff on my own. Brother Nelson. I had some experience. I thought I knew what I was going to do, get done, and I was going to make some money. And I, in the back of my mind, knew what my pastor would say if I went to him and talked to him about it. He was out of town, so I, I convinced myself since he was out of town, I, I need to make a decision now. And then my brother came to me one day, and he said, hey, the bishop said such and such. Pretty sure it was you. And Brother Hall, I kid you not, this retarded guy right here, let that thought go through his mind. He's never run a business. Who in the world does he think he is to say how I need to do this? Now, I didn't say it out loud, Brother Self. But it was in my spirit. At some point, my paradigm started shifting the wrong way. And you know what I love about a good, solid man of God is he could have very well, Brother Carter, come and hollered at me. He could have grabbed me by the shirt. He could have picked me up and said, Son, you better listen to me or you're going to find yourself in some destruction. He could have. Brother Brother Nelson, he could have took me and he could have sat me in the pew and said, Son, you're not going to preach again. And you're not going to get in that pulpit and lead service again. You're not going to stand foot on this platform again. He could have. And when I look back, I think (laughs) he should have. But I pray every day, God, give me the grace and the mercy that my bishop has has extended to me time again. But he didn't do that. He always told me, he said, son, you've got to make sure that you err on the side of mercy. And he did. And I can promise you guys, I don't know how long of a span that was that I was I was fighting and I was... I thought I had it together, and 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 I, I didn't have it together. And I had just finished leading a service on a Sunday morning. And we had those old chairs, the old, the old with the red ones, right, that were here. And, and I was sitting in that chair right there. Brother Burgess was preaching that morning. And I'll never forget. I'm sitting back there in the back chair, and God's talking to me the whole time the preacher's preaching And I'm wanting to jump out of that chair and run down to this altar and and, and let God have his way. And I'm sitting back there. I'm shaking. And I'm making all kinds of racket. I I sucked some air in, I guess. And I made some some funky noise. And it got the bishop's attention. He turns around and looks at me like, what's wrong with you? And when he looked at me, tears were flowing down my face. And God gave me an opportunity, Brother Nelson, to make things right. And I can promise you when the man of God stood up and he said, hey, I, I know it's time for us to come down to this altar. I promise you I didn't waste any time. I jumped up from that chair and I got down in this, in this floor and I began to cry out to God and ask for forgiveness. And then I went into the office and I said, Bishop, I'm sorry for the attitude that I've had. And I'm sorry for the direction that I've been going. And I need your help. And I need your strength. And I, I, need, I need you to point me in the right direction. I need you to tell me which course to correct to. Is it 20 degrees? Is it... 40 degrees or is it is it 120 degrees? I, I need to know which direction do I need to go so that I can make heaven my home because I got some babies at home that they need to know how to get to heaven and I got a wife at home who needs to know amen, how to get to heaven. Amen, my responsibility as a husband, I've got to stand on my two feet and when I hear correction call. I've got to be willing to say, hey, I've got to make this correction right now. Let me turn away from the danger of my life. Let me tell you, I don't want to take a long time because I know everybody's tired and it's hot, but, but I want you to understand there is somebody in this place tonight that as I stood as I was praying, God dealt with me about it as I stood there on the on the side there. And I was waiting, amen, for Brother Hilton to call me forward. And, and, and I, I began to, God began to show me some things. And I want you to know there's somebody under the sound of my voice that is listening to the words that I'm saying. And you've got some family that's dealing with your heart. And you've got some family that's working your mind over. And, and, and you've got some family and friends that think that, hey, you've got yourself in a bad situation. And you're going to be bound up the rest of your life. Let me tell you something. Honey, I can promise you uh, my lifetime Uh, if if I have to live in bondage for Jesus uh, all the days of my life uh, my eternity is so much more long lasting uh, than just a little bit of discomfort here on earth Hallelujah I don't care I don't care how much they come at you with with what their scripture and say, hey, this is what the Bible says, amen. This is what we found in the scripture. I don't I don't agree with what your pastor says. Let me tell you, I'm not preaching a man's religion. What I'm preaching about is a is a heavenly religion, amen. One that looks to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of my faith. One that says, hey, no matter what the Lord asks me to do, I'm going to obey. No matter what. God steps into my heart and my mind and says, Hey, I need you to change this correction. Amen. I need you to change to this course. I'm willing to say, Yes, Lord, here I go, and I'll make that course correction. And then then the next thing I know, God says, Hey, that was good. Now we got to navigate just a little bit more. Because sometimes, my, 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 help me, Jesus. Sometimes when we have been navigating our waters by ourselves uh, with our own intelligence like this captain did, uh, amen, the next thing you know uh, is you you weaved your way uh, into the treacherous uh, rocky shores, uh, amen, next to a lighthouse somewhere, amen, that can destroy your ship uh, of light. Sometimes you say, man, pastor, I already made that correction. Well, here, we got to make a little bit more correction because I'm trying to navigate you back out of the treacherous position of life that you have gotten yourself into. We've got to be willing to say, God, I don't care if today you tell me to change directions two or three or four times. I've got to make it to safe waters. You say, preacher, you got you gotta understand it's hard to stand up to family. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Honey, I know. Yeah, I don't know how many times my family told my mom how much of a I'll say it the cult that we're in. Brother Self? If I have to be in a cult to make it to heaven, I'll do it, but this ain't no cult. Ain't nobody serving up no Kool-Aid and forcing you to drink it. No. The man of God that I know that pastors this church, he taught me that opinions are like feet. Everybody's got a pair. And all of them stink. Opinions don't, don't get you heaven. But truth does. I know the times I wish I, I could tune in every service and I could listen to every message that he preaches. Unfortunately, I can't. But guess what? I know where he's coming from. Because he spends hours in this book. And for, what is it, 26, 27 years now? He's been in this pulpit. And as far as I can remember, I've never heard him deviate from the Word of God. He came, I was nine. Today I'm 37, I think. And you know what? If he called me today, Brother Carter, and he said, Pastor Hilton, you're kind of steering in the wrong direction today. I don't care if I'm a pastor of 20 people. Or 10,000 people. I'm not too good to hear what my pastor says. And honey, I don't care if you've been in church 50 years. Or five years. Or six months. God set a watchman on the wall. To watch for your safety. Hallelujah! I thank God for a sure sound. I thank God that a private wasn't worried about the fact that he was reaching back out to a captain. He realized the situation he was in and if he had not think about this, if that private Second class, I think it was, had said, "Oh my goodness, he's a captain. I can't talk back to him." Well, he wasn't talking back, not in a not in a disrespectful way. He realized. He said, "I'm I'm in the lighthouse. This island isn't isn't floating around. I can't change the course twenty degrees on this island." But he was positioned at a place where he knew it was sure and it was sound. And no matter who it was that came his direction, he was shining the light, he was doing his job, and he got directions. From a superior officer who said, "Son, you better change course twenty degrees, or we're going to collide head on." And that young man said, "Hey, I know you're a captain, Amen. But with all due respect, Amen, I'm sure he wanted to be as as political politically correct as he could. But in the moment, that ship's moving. He doesn't have a second time a second to think about being." respectful to its nth degree. All he had in his mind was, hey, yeah, it's a battleship, and there's a hundred or so men on that battleship that are depending upon me telling that captain the right thing. Amen. And we've got a pastor who's standing in a lighthouse somewhere. Amen. He's standing there and he said, hey, I don't care where you come from. I don't care how much experience that you have living for God. He, he's standing here and God's giving him eyesight. Hey, that ship's gonna die it's gonna sink if I don't say something. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know why? It's such a desperate position to be in. Thanks for the water. I forgot I had that over there. Now I can go long enough. I got this water and I got that water. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to be too much longer. I'm going to shift gears. There's at least one person in this place under the sound of my voice. That you need to hear what I'm talking about tonight. And you need to obey what God's asking you to do. God's asking you just to obey. That's it. I know tomorrow you may have to face the family again. But my friend, you're going to have to let them know, hey, I love you. But I'm not going to entertain you going against the scripture. I want you to understand something I learned quite some time ago. Folks, I wanted to come and preach encouragement, (laughs) and I wanted to preach. I am trying to encourage somebody. I want to make sure that when you leave this house, you got a little bit of direction. Hey, we're in a battle. It's wartime. And honey, you can't wear the trousers of one side and wear the top of another. You think you're going to try to mend both sides. It's not going to work. Either you're on the Lord's side Moses, I don't know how many times he went down to the children of Israel and said, Who's on the Lord's side? Come and stand by me. You've got to understand. You're choosing one of two sides. That's it not your family side, not your friend's side, not trying, to mend, not trying to mend a relationship. I'm not trying to destroy relationships here tonight, but I'm trying to help somebody understand. You've got to be willing to say, hey, I love you very much. I love you so much that I'm going to continue walking in truth because I know that if I continue in truth, there will be an opportunity for you to see what God's doing in my life. And as you watch me, this is called lifestyle evangelism, by the way. As they watch you, as they continue to watch you, there's the ability. Sister Larson, tell your husband I missed him tonight. There's the ability that God is able to work on their hearts through your obedience. Brother Hall, I got a question. Have you ever thought... Of what would have happened had Saul obeyed Samuel when he went to destroy the Amalekites? It was his disobedience. That was the last straw. It was his disobedience. He lived a life of continual disobedience time and time again. And God finally said, I want you to go wipe out the Amalekites utterly because I hate that their, their, their people is a stench in my nostrils. I want them gone. But what he did do, he didn't do that. I was just answering him. He said he didn't do it. But what he did do was he tried to spiritualize his decision. And then he blamed it on other people when it failed. But I'm going to try to get off of, this, off of this horse and get on to the next one here in just a second. But. I want you to understand, when God says something, he means it. And Jesus said that there's going to be a way that people will know that you are my disciples. If you have loved one for another and another place, he said, if you keep my commandments. You say, but I want to be a witness to my family. I want to be a witness to my friends. I I want you to be a witness. and I, I want you to affect your family and friends. But my friend, you cannot do it and compromise to their direction. You have to understand that God's way is sure. It is foundational, Brother Nelson. It's unmoving. And when you begin to say, you know, they kind of have a point. Yeah, Yeah, it's on the end of a pitchfork. I'm feeling too facetious tonight. I got to be good. They may have a point, my friend. But it's steeped in their opinion. When they go against what the word of God has to say. You've got to be careful. Because you will be sucked in. I've had this conversation with other folks. Brother Hilton, you know. There have been of, just in the last two, three years. You think you. Can withstand, and you can, am I making sense tonight? You think that you can withstand the attacks from them and continue to abide in their presence. And it not affect you. I've known preachers that tried the same methodology. And they are in apostasy today. They had a paradigm shift, all right. But they went back to the flesh. My friend, I'm not trying to be nasty. My friend, I'm trying to say this in all the love that I can. Please, please, get out of an atmosphere that is trying everything that your pastor teaches you. Let me ask you something. Do you believe that the pastor of this church is teaching truth? Let me ask it again. I wanna I wanna make sure I hear everybody. I hope I hear everybody. Do you believe that your pastor's teaching truth? Yes. Do you believe above emotion? Above human reasoning that the word of God stands true? Do you believe that this book is filled with God's, these words coming out of this book were breathed by God. Just like you're hearing me talk tonight, the writers of this book heard God speak this into their spirits As they began to be moved upon by the Holy Ghost, uh, holy men of old uh, began to transcribe what God put in their heart. And then he has called men of God today to come and to proclaim the word of God continually. And let me tell you something. I believe in the all-powerful name of Jesus. We were singing about it tonight. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is life-changing power in the name of Jesus. There is healing power in the name of Jesus. There is, uh, there is delivering power in the name of Jesus. But let me tell you something. Jesus told his disciples, he said, I have exalted my word even above my name. Amen. And when you begin to put the word of God aside and you begin to use human reasoning, my friend, you've got to understand you are losing the power, amen, that God wants to give to you. Amen. But it's got to go beyond this head knowledge, but it's got to get down on the inside. Amen. It's got to become something that is. Built upon the, the heart, the foundation of your heart. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, amen. This word is unchanging. What God began talking about in the beginning. He continued to talk about in the New Testament. And he continues to move upon men of God today to proclaim the same, the same gospel, the same truth, amen, that has always been. Hallelujah. I mentioned the covering a while ago. God covered the people. I'm just going to run through it. I'm working on a series of studies or, or a study, whatever, and it ends up being... Knowing me, it ends up being, if it's three pages long, that's a three-week study right there. But I began studying the covering, brother. Oh, there's a lot to it. God proved to us in the beginning, he covered us with his glory. And then when sin entered, we tried to cover ourselves. And it was inadequate And God said, hey, just a minute, I'll take care of that. And God provided a covering for Adam and Eve. And it involved the the blood shedding of of an animal. And he made skins and he gave it to Adam and Eve and and they wore them. And then we go on through the scriptures and I'm just trying to cut to the chase and I want to switch gears here in just a second. I know I said it twice now, that's the last time, third time's a charm. But I gotta let, God's gotta let this go of me before I can move on to the next bit. You get to Exodus, children of Israel leaving. The last plague is falling upon Egypt and God said there's only one way that your house is going to be safe from this last plague. And that's by another covering. If you don't paint the blood over the doorposts of your house, you don't apply the blood of the lamb to your home, then honey, just like every Egyptian, the death angel's coming into your house. And because of the covering, they were protected. And we know and understand today, I don't have time to get it down to all of it, but I want you to understand that in in the covering that Jesus, he meant provided through the cross of Calvary, the shedding of the blood of the Lamb of God. Amen. The Bible says he was slain from the foundation of the earth. What does that mean? Amen. That means God had a plan. And that plan involved the shedding of innocent blood. Amen. In order to cover the the, 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 the nasty, black, amen, effects of sin in your hearts and your minds. And, and it took the red blood of Jesus to wash your Black heart and make it white as snow. Now we have another covering, and it's for all of mankind, not just a Jew. But the Bible says that Jew and Gentile alike, amen, we have the opportunity to be baptized, amen, into baptism with Jesus Christ, amen. We are now covered not only by the blood of Jesus, but by the waters of baptism, amen, that that, that is what burned the, the church. And now the church is covered by the Lord himself. Amen. And the next thing that I find in the scriptures about a covering is if you go into First Corinthians and you go to chapter number 11, he talks about a covering. You know, he begins to talk about how it's a shame for a man to have long hair. And how if a woman has uh, uh, has cut her hair, it is a shame unto her. And, and you begin to realize, uh, amen, that the angels, according to Paul, amen, they begin to look uh, at something. God said, I'm going to cover you, but I'm asking for something in return, my friend. I'm asking you to abide By the covering, Amen. That you can show the angels of heaven whose side of the paradigm you are on. Oh, come on! Oh, help me, Jesus! Oh, help me, Jesus! I didn't come to preach about hair tonight, but I want you to understand that covering that the Bible's talking about in 1 Corinthians. It's not talking about a hat. It's not talking about a pendant cloth. Amen. But it's talking about the hair that grows naturally out of the scalp. Amen. And he begins to talk. Amen. And he begins to tell. And he said, the women, if you want the angels of heaven. To know what side of the spectrum you're on. Amen. You're going to obey. Amen. The covering. Amen. The law. The covering that I'm putting into place for my, my, my children. Yeah. 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 I want to make sure I got the covering right. I want to make sure I obey. I want to make sure that I obey the plan of salvation so that I'm I'm covered by the blood and the water. But I also want to make sure that I take care of the covering that God gave me naturally, amen, because when I go to battle in this war that we're in right now, I want the angelic host to know who he's supposed to be down here backing up. I want the angelic host to know, amen, whose side I'm on when I'm on the battlefield, amen. I don't want them turning against me. I want to be able to stand on my own two feet, and I want to be able to fight. Fight the enemy. And I want to see victory. Hey, Amen. There has been victory in this house. In this place tonight, victory has been in this house. It's still here today. Some of you aren't partaking of it. Just because You let some things in life begin to work in your heart and in your mind. And you allow those on the outside to begin to penetrate that heart that God gave you. That soft heart. Amen. And you're allowing yourself to become hardened. Amen. To the Word of God. My friend, I'm here tonight begging you. Please. Amen. Please soften your heart before the Lord tonight. Why don't you answer the Lord's call. Amen. Let Him bring victory back into you. Your heart, let Him bring joy back into your life. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Now it's time to shift gears. It's hot, and I'm fat, and I'm out of shape, and I'm tired. But God, will help me. We're going to get through this. I'm sorry, I gave you those scriptures, Brother Josh. If you want my notes, all of what I've talked about is in these notes. I'll give them to you if you want to see if, I'm, if I did do my part of study, all right? I wasn't just telling you that I forgot about preaching tonight, just to tell you I, I don't know what I'm doing, all right? Amen. But the Holy Ghost is here tonight. The Holy Ghost is here tonight. First, First Corinthians, if you can help me, Brother Josh. First Corinthians chapter 16 and verse number 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse number 9. But a great, a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. And there are many adversaries. Do you have the NIV? First Corinthians 16 and 9 in the NIV <coughs> it says it this way. Because a great door for effective work has been opened unto me and there are many who oppose me. Now, I know I've I've focused on those that oppose for a while tonight, and rightfully so, and I don't apologize, but this is where I want to shift gears because we could get all discouraged and we could get upset and we could say, my goodness, is it even possible? I know the prophecies that have gone through in this church. I don't know how many times I've heard somebody refer to in this pulpit, revelations, that I have set before you an open door. Am I, am I in left field? And as I, this, this came to me while I was praying tonight, and this is where I want to wrap up. That effectual door is still open. And the bishop, I, I don't know all the messages. I haven't listened to I listened to one Think the first one about war, and I haven't had time to finish the rest. So, this is all in ignorance. So, if you've heard this before, I'm sorry. But we're in a battle. And I I really, maybe we'll shout and jump and and hoop and holler. I I really don't think that's going to happen. But I think something, I'm praying, Brother Nelson. There's something that I'm about to say gets deep into the hearts of the people in this church. And you begin to realize no matter how hopeless that adversary looks when it comes against me. The Apostle Paul said, It's a great door, A, a great door. It's effectual, and I, I was like, "Okay, great. It's an effectual door. What, what does that mean?" So I said, "Okay, I want to look at the NIV," and I did, and it said, "and I," it said, "effective work." That word "effectual" could have been translated "effective" very easily. I looked that up. I promise, very quickly, while I was when I was praying, it came to mind. I looked it all up real quick, and I began to look at it. I'm going to ask you some questions, and I want you to answer them in your mind, in your heart tonight. I want you to, want you to have an introspective inspection. <laughs> I want you to think about this. How many of you, under the sound of my voice right now, believe that God wants you to be effective? How many of you believe God wants you to be effective in your family and in your friends' lives. How many of you believe that God wants this church to be effective in this city? Because a great door for effective, that's the four-letter word many of us don't like. But let me tell you something. I don't like working long hours just to put food on my table. Although that is good for my family. And God will provide it. But I'm simple enough to believe that what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. (laughs) And everything else will be added to you. You know what I prayed? Especially after this week. I said, God, I'm exhausted. And I feel like my mind is scattered a million miles in different directions. But God... If this job is not going to allow me to be effective in the kingdom of God, get me out of this thing and get me somewhere else. Brother Hall, I've been I've been down the road of chasing the Almighty Dollar. I've been down there. I don't. I, let me tell you something. It didn't do me any good when I got done. Hey Amen. I ended up being a stray. Hey Amen. I ended up having a dad meet me at the front door and say, "Hey, bud, you need to get in here and pray." Hey Amen. You're not seeking God like you need to. Hey Amen. Because my eyes left the things of God and began to focus on something else. It went from his kingdom to my kingdom. Can we go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 very quickly? He said, but a great door is open. An effectual, an effective door. It's the will of God for you and me to affect those we work with. Now, I'm not rebuttaling on anything that I said a while ago. What I teach our folks when it comes to witnessing, and if I'm wrong, Bishop can ch- change it and he can tell you I was wrong, all right? But what I tell my folks is, hey, if you're, if you're witnessing and you're spending a lot of time with folks, That's wonderful. I encourage our folks, go eat with folks. In fact, that lady that came this morning, I invited to my house so we could eat dinner together. There's not a lot of restaurants in in Lacey. So guess what? We have to do it the old-fashioned way. They got to come to the house. I want them to do that. I would even go to their house if they felt more comfortable doing that. But Brother Hall, when, when, when I can't control the atmosphere and I can't control the direction in which this conversation's going, I am done. And I'm going to do my best to get out of that situation. Because I know when I can't control the situation, then God's not in control of the situation because I'm in his hands. And I want him to be able to work effectively through me in every situation that I may find myself in. Amen. God told this church that I have opened a door. And Paul said, I have a door open to me. And it's an effective door. Some great things are going to come from this door being opened. And I've got to get through that door. But I don't read anywhere else in this passage of Scripture where the Apostle Paul said, man, I fought and I fought and I fought and I fought and I couldn't get past that thing. And it was driving me nuts. And man, I I don't know. That thing's a big giant. And I don't know, Brother Nelson, if I can handle this thing anymore. And I'm I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And and man, all I can see now is the adversary in front of the door." What I'm trying to do tonight is trying to get some perspective change in this congregation. I'm not saying that you don't, that most of you don't. But I'm trying to help encourage this church tonight. Hey, God has an open door for you. He wants you to walk through that door. Amen, let's quit our eyes off of the adversary and let's get our eyes on the door so that we can walk through it. I'm not. I don't care what what what's in my way in between me and that door. I'm gonna I'm gonna go down this path and I'm gonna close out tonight. So somebody come to the music so these people have hope today. But I remember. Some of you remember that I I was there. How many of you guys remember the Las Vegas shooting? That mass shooting that happened a few years a few years ago. What year was that, brother, Josh? 2020? No, it was 2017. It was late 2017, pretty sure. You can tell me when you find it. Yeah, okay. I was there for work. I was going to be there going through a training class. And I'm, I'm laying in bed. I was tired. I had preached that morning. I had been working on the church the night before. That was back when we were completely renovating that whole building, and and uh, I got a phone call said, had I need you to get to Las Vegas this weekend or this this Monday." And so I was like, "All right, sounds good." So I I ended up boarding the plane on Monday morning, no Sunday afternoon after church was over, and I got in the plane and headed out to Vegas, and and got in my room, and man, I was dog tired. So I went to bed, and me. When I go to bed, I'm pretty much dead to the world. I'll tell you how tired I was. Jason Aldean had a concert going on, and the stage was right outside my window. No joke. I could see the subs and everything right, right there. And I fell asleep to that loud, obnoxious country music. And come about, I think it was about 10 o'clock or so, next thing I heard was a bunch of fireworks going off in my mind, and I, I woke up, and I, I'm like, man, that's loud, like, must have been that concert, they're just finishing off with a bang, well, they did. <clears throat> and it, I began to work through my mind, like, wait a minute, that that's... I hear the bang, but, like, where's the flash? Like, there's no, I don't see, like, what I expect with fireworks. You know what I'm talking about. And so as soon as I realized, I'm like, wait a minute, I think that's gunfire. So I rolled out of my bed and got on the floor. And I called my boss because he was in town. He, he had just got there. No, he called me. By, by the time everything was dawning on me, he called me. He said, hey, what, are you okay? Are you okay? Where are you at? I said, I'm in my room. I'm laying in the floor. <laughs> Underneath the bed, because I don't know what's going on out there right now. Well, he wasn't in his room. He, he decided, I'm going to go get some Starbucks. And so he walked over to MGM, which was across the street, and he got Starbucks and was walking back this way. This is where I wanted to be. And as he's walking down, he—he he, when he called me, they had routed everybody back to the tornado shelter under under the MGM building. And he was telling me, he said, man, I was coming back through into our our hotel and I was coming to the, I just came through the lobby and I was about to go down the hallway. He said, and I saw wall to wall people running and pushing each other and running and running and running. And they were all coming at me trying to get away because that side of the hotel is where all the shooting was taking place. Somehow they got into the back door, the exit's the fire exits, and they were coming through the building and running to the other side. And by the time he realized what was going on, he told me, he said, I, I, I went to start turning around and they were on me. And they no- I don't know if they knocked him down or what, but he ended up having to turn around and sprint to stay up with those folks. Those folks had a destination in mind. They were under attack behind They were trying to run away from the adversary. And they had a destination in mind. And they said, I don't care what's in my way. I don't care who gets in my way. I've got to make it to safety. And I've got to make it through that door. And they begin to stampede. There, was, there were rumors of people that got hurt during the stampede. They didn't get shot, but they got hurt in the stampedes of people running and all that. But you say, why are you talking about this? That's pretty simple in my mind. It's pretty simple in my mind. But Nelson, what would happen if every time we came into the house of the Lord, that we acted like... We were being chased from behind. And we see the open door. And every service, until we make it through that open door, we as the people of God say, hey, we're going to turn into a stampeding mob and we're going to run the adversary over in every service. Until we get him down on the ground so that we can make it through that door. Because it's on the other side, church, of that door that God has promised you Where the blessings are. That's where the revival's at on the other side of that door. It's here and it's available. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I'm done. Sister Tori, go ahead and play. I, I, I'm done tonight. But I want you to, I want you to, I want you to get in your mind the vision of a massive open door. And you can see, hey, somewhere in the bottom of that door, there are some adversaries that are saying, Hey, haha, you're not getting through me. Hey, Amen. You're not coming through this. Uh, hey, Amen. But but the church says, hey. We're not giving up. We've been promised uh, that revival's here. We've been promised uh, that healings are going to take place in this place. We've been, we've been promised uh, that in every service, uh, people are going to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, we've been promised uh, that the baptism, the waters of baptism are going to be troubled in every service. I'm not satisfied, Brother Self, of just going through the motions of a service. You said, but I'm tired of fighting. I, 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 I know we're in a war, but I don't like fighting all the time. Let me tell you something. Fighting's easier when you fight together. Fighting's easier when you fight together. Amen. And when we stand on our feet, can we stand tonight? Amen. Is there a way somehow, some way that we as the people of God say, Hey, hey, Pastor, I know we're in a war, but we're coming beside you. And we're not going to put you out of the forefront anymore. We're going to get out there beside you. And we're going to battle the adversary every chance that we get. Amen. Because we want to go through the door. We want to make it through the door. We've got to see the glory on the other side of the door hallelujah if that's your desire I'm asking you come on around the front and let you uh, let God know let hell know hey we're binding together as a church we're going to press on we're going to get down we're going through that door I don't care how great the adversary may seem but I'm pressing through the door he got up side Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going through the door. Oh, I want to see so saved. I'm going to see him saved. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, church. Let's lift our voice to the Lord tonight. In one accord, God, help us. Let our boldness rise up on the inside of us. Somehow, God, we're going to press on. We're going to press on. Even when it seems impossible, God, I'm pressing on with my brother. I'm pressing on with my sister. God, we're going to make it through the open door. Hallelujah. That's it. Let's talk to the Lord tonight. Let's call on the name of the Lord. Jesus, here I am. God, use me. God, I need your strength tonight. God, let me walk in your spirit. Lord, when I see my brother or my sister hurting and needing help, let me walk over to them and pick them up and join arms with them. And let's press on through the door. Oh, Jesus.